Hello and welcome to Reptory Screenings episode 62. I'm your host, Em, and with me are regular co-host Destiny. Hi. I went backwards. And Jackson. What the fuck? <laughs> your third chair now, get back. That's fine. I just was all thrown out of line. Like, oh my god. Oh. No, I, I I just said <laughs> Destiny first. It's because you didn't watch any movies, did you, this past three, four weeks? I watched two movies. Oh. Uh, one of okay, were any of them the things you can talk about here? <laughs> no. Well. <laughs> they were both come right a guy movies. <laughs> Oh, God, right, yeah, <laughs> shit. All right, Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let me think back. Did I talk about the awful King Kong movie? Fuck if I know, it was four weeks ago. I think I did. I think I talked about that. I think that. you did, too. I, I think you did, that too. That movie sucked. Um, we watched Tales from the Hood last night, which, oh, oh, okay, so this is a movie that I watched a ton as a kid, even though it's a movie not for children. Uh, it's 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 very funny. It's very silly, but as an adult, I didn't realize how like ham-fisted it is. <laughs> Even though it's a great movie, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but like, there's a scene where some police officers, white ones, start beating up a black man, and the Billy Billy Holiday song. Um, is it Gloomy Sunday? No, not Gloomy Sunday. What's the the one about black men being hung, uh, Strange Fruit, Strange Fruit starts to play. Yes. And <laughs> it's just like... Subtleties for cowards yes, is the thing. That's what M kept saying. Like, <laughs> the whole time the movie's going, we just kept looking at each other and M would say, subtleties for cowards. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great anthology. I, I wish they made more horror anthologies um, because that's just... And they still make them. I just haven't seen one that I really especially love. Um, the last one that comes to mind was Southbound, which I believe came out in, God, like 2017 or something. Um, but yeah, Tales from the Hood is a good time. I'm going to watch that sequel. It's going to be weird. <laughs> it's from like two, three, four years ago. Southbound? So, no. Oh, the, the Tales sequel. From the Hood sequel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, it's a very 90s movie. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to say about it? No, just that, um, you know, it, it's weird in that, like, so much of it is, like, about reflecting on the cultural idea that, like, gang violence is the black community eating itself and, like, the ways that gets projected outwards. Um, it's interesting. It's, like, it's really messy about, like, refuting that, but, uh, it, I think it's, like, fundamentally a movie that understands that that's not the case. But also, it does end with, like, three three gang guys going to jail or i'm sorry going to hell because they uh they just couldn't stop shooting other people um in in a very silly moralistic way um it's a lot there's a lot happening there yeah it's a lot it it's a genuinely like fun movie too like the tone is weird because it's very like i want to be serious and about social issues but also it's a very silly movie (laughs) with like dolls that eat a guy and a guy that uh gets crumpled up like a piece of paper and it's 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 also very silly. Um did we talk about Tilbury? No, we've not talked about Tilbury. We watched Tilbury um which is a folk horror film from Iceland about Yeah, it's an hour long made for TV movie. Yeah, it's about this it's set during World War 2 and uh, this guy finds out that this girl that he grew up with has this British soldier boyfriend, and he's 
actually this like is it a goblin i can't <laughs> they say what it's he... a tilbury it's it's uh, it's like a icelandic folk legend of this like almost like this golem made out of like hair and bone and milk from like a woman who goes and like gathers up people's energy in the form of like butter and the gross part is he like spits out the butter all the time Mm -hmm. and it's green and yucky and so he's constantly just spitting up this butter so yeah so she's dating the tilbury and hijinks ensue and i loved this movie (laughs) it reminded me a lot of actually i think we both said this it had heavy heavy twin twin peaks vibes like yeah it's weird because like uh my friend uh neve who is on ornate stairwells watched this at my recommendation and also is someone who hates the idea of lynching being applied to anything that's remotely surrealist and we all came like this is this is fucking lynchian in a way that none of us like to use um you can hear more about tilbury on ornate stairwells i think the episode before last maybe last episode i don't know um, because Neve's like much more up on Icelandic culture, uh, and had a lot to say about the cultural context. Sent me an article, um, when we were talking about it. Um, it's really good though. It's like, it's like creepy. It's not really scary. It's creepy and gross, which are like the two things I really like out of uh, a horror movie. The, the Tilbury guy, like the, the, as he's like spewing up butter is very like evil dead. Um, in terms of just like the, like, ju- it's just nasty. Just like a torrent of green butter for no good reason um <laughs> it's so gross it's, it's so, so gross. gross i love it yeah i love it or it's just fucking gross for no good reason um i had a great time i highly recommend it it's in that folk, folk horror box set if you have that i assume you can find it around it is on shutter okay yeah, yeah yeah you should check that out so it's um so it's uh the documentary tales from the hood oh <laughs> yes and tales from the hood yes yes and the documentary <laughs> about folk horror yes it says lots lots there I have some movies I watched, but they're all anime, uh, so I just watched the same things you did, Destiny. Yeah, we all watched uh, Psychopaths the movie, and... Oh, right, you should talk about Psychopaths the movie. I really liked it. I Yay! didn't know what to expect. Um, because I had already watched season two, and then I went back and watched this movie. This movie came out after season two, I think. Yes. Oh, that, that's it why did? The, the girl from season two is in the movie. I guess she is. I'm dumb. Yeah. Okay, so... I really enjoyed it. I I really liked, ever like, the themes, uh, just sort of. I don't know what to say. It it just, it was a good time. Like, smart movie. I'm sad that uh that writer director didn't do the second season because I feel like it would have been a better season. Urubuchi has got plenty of work to experience if you want to experience more Urubuchi work. Um, I do. I think. Mm. Psychopath is probably my second favorite Urobuchi thing I've experienced. Like Mada- like Madoka specifically, Rebellion is probably my favorite. Um, yeah, he did just bang this. out the Madoka movie and the Psychopath movie back to back, which is fucked up. Yeah, it's so fucked up that you just make two of the best anime movies ever made. I love the, the Madoka series, so it's kind of like wild that I haven't sat down to watch any of the movies. You haven't you, watched you, Rebellion? I mean, just one, just the one. Just the one no. no, Destiny. Oh, just De- one? The thing is, when I watch Rebellion, Destiny's been so far removed that she needs to watch the show again, or she's going to be kind of confused well, about that's true. the mechanics of the world. Be it's a quick regardless. show. <laughs> yeah. It's a quick show. So, so if I Destiny ever decides to watch Madoka again, then we will sit down and watch Rebellion. Okay. Damn. Watching Madoka and not watching Rebellion is like, what? <laughs> I just didn't know about it. That's fair. 
I also hadn't. I mean, the first time I watched Madoka, there was no Rebellion. Yes. So yes. When did Rebellion come out in relation to Madoka? Two years later. Oh, okay, so I, it was out by the time I had seen Madoka, but yep, I just didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, no, Psychopath movie was really good. Uh, I just I wish I uh, was smart enough about colonialism to talk about it <laughs> in a, in an interesting way, but I'm not. <laughs> Okay, well, with that, I guess we should get to our movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> laughing at myself. Okay. Um, our movie this week is Synecdoche, New York, the Charlie Kaufman written and directed film that came out in 2008, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Samantha Morton and Michelle Williams and Catherine Keener and Emily Watson, Jennifer Jason Lee, just a who's who of actors. Um, Jackson, would you like to summarize this film? Nope. Destiny, would you like to summarize this film? I will do my best. I'm not going to be as detailed as Jackson. I can do my best, but like... (laughs) Okay, so here's here's, here's the funny thing. The Wikipedia summary leaves out details I would consider key to this movie. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Um, Go um, for it. This is probably going to be even more reduced than that. uh, Which is that the movie is about uh, uh, this guy Caden, Caden Cotard, uh, who is a theater director... And uh, he makes a version of Death of the Salesman that is so good that he gets a MacArthur Fellowship and can then make whatever he wants. And <laughs> he decides, he can't decide what to do, but then like makes the biggest version of like New York possible that just becomes a reflection of reality uh, in a warehouse. And then the, like, the majority of the film, two-thirds of him working on this play for his entire life, which is itself a reflection of his reality, which is itself the play, which etc, 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 recurses until the end of the movie and you go through his whole life. Uh, his life itself is like this um, weird surrealist uh, series of episodes um, which like centers on a few threads. Uh, one around uh, his... Um, like alienation with his wife uh who leaves him at the start of the movie but he continues like pining over is the wrong word eventually he like half moves into her new apartment and just starts cleaning it while she's not there um, <laughs> so he's dealing with that uh his relationship with hazel uh who is like the uh box office lady at the theater and starts out as like this uh you know classic um slightly younger uh, lady is horny for the the cool older guy cool in quotation marks right like it, he's not a professor but it has the vibes of that relationship at the start but then eventually it just becomes this weird life they live as they get old and dance around uh each other uh as just like all this weirdness keeps happening there's the, the thread with his daughter uh who is you know goes to germany <laughs> And has like just like a weird nightmare life that is also torturing him, uh, and she dies, and basically everyone dies because the entire thing is a mediation on the meaningless of life uh, and death, and how we're all terrified of that, and that's just all there is. Um, as the play reflects his life, the life reflects the play. Uh, there is no difference at, at uh, any you know by the end, and at the end he dies. <laughs> like that's that's the movie. Um, I That's don't true. think it's saying that life is meaningless. Um, well, we'll get there. We'll okay. talk about it. All right. 
That's my my uh, thing to die on. Well, you and everybody you else. And everybody else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought this movie was like a sad movie. I, the by its reputation, I don't know what it was. Something about it was like the things I thought about it. A lot of you know about it were that it was twee and it was sad. Um, and I'm not sure. I think either of those are true. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a sad movie, but yes, I think I find um, it sad. It was sadder the first time I saw it. Weirdly, um, I saw it in the theater when it came out, uh, which is interesting because it had a very limited run. But uh, mm. I remember just crying and and this time around i did not cry but i still think it's a sad movie but what were you gonna say uh it's specifically like i definitely think that it like has sad elements in it but i think ultimately all of those are part of like the larger structure of this is like almost like a self-depreciating joke like the the movie itself the the script synecdoche new york is an adapted work of Charlie Coffin reflecting on himself, which makes every version of it like a different layer of unreality, right? Like, like the, the Caden Cotard real life is as fake as the play. Um, and like, eventually it becomes about him losing himself in the play because it's more real than his real life. But the, the reality is neither of them have ever been real. Uh, the beginning of the movie is him like dying from three different things. None of which are actually real seemingly. Uh, as he watches himself on the television in all of the commercials and gets uh, a fellowship, which apparently allows you to hire a small city for 20 years. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> like, all of it exists in, like, the entire world of Synecdoche, New York is the Barton Fink Hotel. Like, nothing is real. Yeah. I mean, like, the entire um, thing is, like, weird. Like, like he, the whole thing with the play is it must be real, right? But then the, the reality of the, the film that it portrays is just ludicrous. Uh, yeah. And so much of it is about that friction. Yes. Like the thing that I was reminded of, like Barton Fink for sure, but also um, fear and loathing Las Vegas, which is about just the real world is sometimes unendurable and feels like a bad dream you can't get out of. Um, and that like so much of this is about like when you're making a thing, you lose yourself, but also just the world of creation, like being so someone who thinks too hard and makes work out of it is itself like its own form of constant dissociation and feeling alienated from your own self and the people around you. Mm -hmm. um, especially when you can recognize that everyone is ridiculous in different ways than you are. Um, like his wife is just like the worst human being alive, the entire movie in a way that's like incredibly funny to me. <laughs> um, she just doesn't care about him is super blunt. And she just like, she's like a famous portrait, like pa portrait painter, but she paints like small paintings. And as time goes on, her paintings get smaller and smaller. Uh, like originally they're just like, like maybe like stamp size. And by the end, people have to go into the art gallery and wear like huge magnifying glasses to even see the paintings. Um, she has gotten so good at her art. They're just like vanishing. Um, the, uh, his, his, um, his therapist is like a woman who just has like infinite amount of her own books on the shelf that she will give to anyone. But also she's like this grotesque ghost that haunts him who constantly wears shoes that are like cartoonishly too tight or like they're like cutting into her feet in like this really gross, like special effect on her feet. Um, just a nightmare. Everyone's a nightmare. Like everyone is in caricature in like this very uh, unsettling way that I find very funny. Uh, My yes. favorite Oh, uh, of the caricatures is Maria, who starts out as like her stoner friend, and then 
absconds to Germany with uh, Adele and Olive. And then, like, when you see her neck, she's got, like, a German accent. And she's like, Olive and I, I love airs. <laughs> and just super weird. <laughs> just... <laughs> and, and she just gets weirder and weirder. And it just cracks me up. Uh, Olive's diary continually updating with her life. And then, like, at one point just skips ahead to her having a German accent. It's so fucking funny to me. I love it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things in this movie. It's so silly. Uh, there, there's a bit where he just does the three colors blue thing, where he goes and finds his daughter in like a, like a, you know, like a, a nudie dancing parlor or whatever. Yeah, yeah. When it happened, I turned in and I go three colors blue. <laughs> it's her father. Uh, it was very funny to see that from the other side, uh, and he just gets dragged out as he tries to like bang on the glass, and she does not care. Yes. It's so silly. I don't know. It's weird because, like, I was so surprised by this because of what my expectation was that I was mostly just, like, swept up in the, the absurdity of the whole thing. Like, he gets a grant for his, like, relatively sedate but an ornately overlit version of Death of a Salesman. It's like, what is happening here? Well, the old characters are being played by young people, which is saying something. <laughs> it's saying something. <laughs> This movie reminds me a lot of my own preoccupation with, like, my health and my life and my eventual decay. Did anybody else feel that? Yes, Well, yeah, I assume sure. everyone watching would feel that. <laughs> I actually mostly was like, oh, this is like Destiny. Okay. <laughs> really? Because movie, I'm like, I mean, I, I feel all of these things at all times, like, 100% of the time. But this movie, to me, this movie is about, like, these are things that are, if not universal, then... As close to universal, like, human concerns as you can get, right? Which is the whole point of the movie, is these, like, profound things. But they're not actually profound. Um, and the movie's about, like, wrapping itself in layers of irony. Because it, it believes all these things very deeply. Um, yes. But also is kind of horrified yes. that, like, the conclusion of a self-professed brilliant mind is, like, something that anyone knows and experiences. Right. Because that's the other thing. Like, the reality is just, like, a thing that anyone thinks at all times. Like, it's just a true thing that we all have already. So, like, the art is pointless. What art... It's like a movie about art accepting on some level that, like, people who get into art... Um, not everyone, but many people who get into art, as many people who get into their own things come to recognize that uh their fixation on art is like a futile uh you know attempt to transcend death right that's like you tell yourself you don't you don't actually say that out loud but eventually you realize wait eventually i won't remember this play no one will remember this play why do i care and this movie just takes that crisis to its logical conclusion right <laughs> Uh, but also, like, the best thing that art can aspire to is to basically be a transparent lens by which people just see themselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you you end up, like, you know, obliviating yourself. Like, he makes, he make, he ends up making almost the entirety of New York in his, you know, recreation of New York and cast everyone as versions of themselves. And all that does is, like, bury who he is further and further away from it as everyone just, like worries about walking and talking and living their lives and all the dumb stuff that normal people do. Cause that's like art is a reflection of just everyday life. Not the thing that he, he himself could only discover. Like that's partially why like her paintings get smaller and smaller. Right? Eventually they basically don't exist. Uh, but everyone thinks they're very profound uh, because uh, part of the framework around art is being very pretentious about something really obvious, which is like yes. the, the paintings only show you the world that you see already. Um, but like no matter 
you know, you can wrap it up in the, these layers, um, which the movie is like all about. Like, you know, the movie's a, a series of jokes about what it is to be alive. Um, but the like, the ultimate conclusion is like these these fears aren't fake, right? They're real. You feel them all the time. You, like, yes. Recognizing they are ridiculous and unchanging and not even that profound doesn't make them go away or make them any less powerful. They are there. They are always there. They will be there. That's the the thing. <laughs> Um, mm. and I-, I thought it was like really good uh, exploration of that. Um, I- it was um, yeah. I mostly had a really good time. It was mostly just really funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a frustrating character because you want him to like realize that he should just live his life, and he's not. Like it- it's that I find that so frustrating when. Hazel says to him uh, at, at some point she starts to start something with Sammy who's playing Caden and he, he's like what is it about Sammy and she's like Sammy's fun and he goes I'm fun and she goes no no you're not and I just like it, it, it shows how far he's gotten from like the person he is at the beginning of the movie who like he was never fun he was never well, he no. wakes up going i feel sick i'm going to die yeah as his wife's like just trying to handle their like awful child and he's reading obituaries of like ambitious yes. people um but like no he was never fun but like i'm just saying he he had like a real concrete life and he just gets stripped away from it and it, it's just really frustrating and i just think it's funny mm-hmm Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot. <laughs> it's also funny because so much of the movie is about the way in which like this sort of like vision of the tortured artist gets to like bounce between a bunch of women who will put up with his bullshit despite all reason. Um, and all of them just kind of because so many of them end up being literal like understudies of the, the like other versions of themselves, uh, the way in which like, you know, you look at um. You look at like uh, like Chaplin, who just went through a bunch of wives or whatever. You get the sense like this is also about the way in which like guys just constantly replace a woman who's fed up with your bullshit with a younger version who hasn't experienced it all yet to go through the cycle again um, in a way that's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Michelle Williams as the first uh, the the first uh, or excuse me, no, she's he only gets married twice, so yeah, she's a second wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first she's just like the young ingenue and then slowly just becomes fed up yes i really liked emily watson it's not like emily watson anything but she's great in this oh yeah she's wonderful um yeah it was good tom noonan showing up incredible moment because the whole movie is like a testament to philip seymour hoffman just like acting the fuck out of like a role that could be very difficult um and Tom Noonan shows up, you're like, if if you had Tom Noonan in this role, you could do the entire movie with Tom Noonan, because he's that good. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Yeah. Um, I um, thought he was just fantastic in this, just, like, hanging out in the background throughout and then really coming into his own throughout. Like, I think of him in, like, Manhunter, which is, like, the movie that he's in that I see. Like, he's maybe most notable for. And he's fine in that, but, like, it's a thankless role, so it's not as good. And he just shows up and steals every scene in this one. Um, him finally pitching over the top of the 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 roof the rooftop set, and Qatar uh, just yelling at him like, "I didn't fall! Someone stop me! Get up!" <laughs> uh, very good. <laughs> that been rules. 
Um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, that stuff is all um, uh, just uh, good stuff. Like it ended up feeling like um, like you take a Woody Allen movie, which you know obviously sucks for many reasons, but then this this obviously not about him directly but it, it is a very similar thing at the start right you have an artist whose pains are represented through a bunch of women that inexplicably like him and he goes mm-hmm. through uh but is far more like um full of contempt for uh like the the main character than yes alan can ever like because you know the whole thing with william things even before he was a you know as counseled as he is now is you get the awesome wells quote a bit like his self-hatred is fake it's actually self-love um and <laughs> I, think, I think that's Sorry, true of this movie that. as well because that's all like you know I, I there's a little bit of that here but definitely it's way better at dealing with like i think this movie is aware of the fact that it's impossible yes. to reflect on the self without being like kind of egotistical yes, right yes, yes. This, this movie is so much more aware of that like tension in a in a plot like this Yes. One of the things I really, uh, once, uh, Sammy dies and, uh, Dan Reese takes over as the new, like, Katarn stand in, she, like, gets a, she ends up looking like an SNL version of, like, Katarn, right? Like, if you wanted, if, if he was a real man and they needed a, a, to play him on SNL, that's what he'd look like. But once she starts dressing like him, he, like, gets a wig like he had when he was younger and he starts wearing it. Like, the way in which, like, his parody ends up reflecting the parody she's doing of himself is really good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at that point, he's, like, actively in his decline. But because she's dressing up as him from 30 years ago, he's got to look younger, too. Because, you know, it wouldn't work if it didn't, like, gel together like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. God, that's so funny. It's really funny. The bit where she comes up and, like, gives a monologue of saying just how fucking sad and pathetic he is. <laughs> The guy beside him like, I didn't see that at all. I thought it was a story about how <laughs> That might be the best line in the entire movie. It's really good. It's that or the guy who's like, how did you want me to walk? And then like walks three different fake ways across like a street. That guy's hilarious. It's really good. That's all. I don't know if I like, there's not a lot to say. It's just good movie it's very funny it is sad so at the end but like in a way that's like you know it's it's uh considered but like never loses its like sense of play about it like even in the very end yeah yeah i agree i think that's a great way to put it there's just so many little things that make this movie great i love the house on fire i love that like that was the one thing that stayed with me when i first saw that movie i remember thinking that's fucking brilliant when she goes into the house and she's like i'm afraid to die in the fire and then she just does uh years later <laughs> like 30 years later yeah. of smoke inhalation which has never bothered anyone since and, uh before or since and then there's the guy that like lives in the basement that she just ends up marrying and having triplets with and oh i love that so <laughs> the, much the part where she's like the twins and then names three people <laughs> like what are you talking about <laughs> and then later you see it's three children it's, tri- it's triplets yes yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that, that was the thing that stayed with me. And so I was really excited to come back to the house on fire. Cause for some reason that just, I don't know, that like resonates with me on like this level. I don't know how to talk about. And I just super love it. Mm-hmm. But Hazel's probably, yeah, like I know we haven't gotten to questions, but Oh, I love Hazel. Uh, do anything else or should we go to questions? We can go to questions. All right. If you have questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Hilver writes in, uh, 
Big fan of the podcast might skip the film discussion part of this one. What's a film that means a lot to you that you don't want to hear people discuss? And you gave us time to like think about this, and I still I I I know I have an answer, but come to me last. Uh, mine's the fountain. Uh, I never want to hear people pontificate the fa- about the fountain. I don't think it's deep. I don't think it's interesting. I just it'll just like it a lot, and I don't want to. I don't want people to talk about it. Just don't. Just don't. Sometimes the movie's just good. That's a good. That's a good choice. Um, I don't know because it's it's I I'm less this and more like I don't want to hear most people talk about most movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I'm not going on YouTube and looking up like the bad reviews for the movies I like, right? Like I'll listen to my friends talk about anything, um, or like the people I I trust and I'm you know I'm not saying I'm not like uh oh I don't like people talking about the movies. It's more just like I'm fairly discerning and don't see the need to go find out what a bunch of people like maybe hate a movie I like are gonna like say I don't like need that for every film yeah fair I'm kind of with you I, I generally try not to read reviews of anything if I can help it yeah so. I used to just like I would go home and read a review right after I watched a movie and I cannot do that anymore I mean sometimes I do go on Letterboxd the uh, the Letterboxd um, page for uh, Us Next to New York had like one of the funniest reviews of all time um, at the top of the page uh, which begins um, used to be my favorite movie of all time, but it was recently dethroned by Little Women. <laughs> and I just thought that sentence was perfect, especially in like the spirit of the fucking movie. No, I'm not dunking on this person. I think that's fucking perfect. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I feel like that's. I like both those things, but like, what? What world do these like connected in like the thing? Yeah, that's, that's that, the, I want to talk to that person. That's the human truth that uh, uh he was looking for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I used to think that Snatch New York was the best movie, and then I watched Little Women, and I was like, oh, I like when they're uh, <laughs> Little Women, and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Destiny, your movie. Oh, I honestly think it might be, and this is, I don't know, wild at heart. Like, it's really close to me, and I, and I don't want to, don't want to brook any other opinions. Okay. Uh, Joel writes in, inspired by watching an investigation of a citizen above suspicion and realizing it's just a Columbo episode in which Columbo doesn't show up, which movie covered by Reptile Screenings would you like to see a remake of in which the main character never shows up? The main character never shows up. Yeah. It has to be one that we've done. Let's go to the list to make sure that I have uh, the right choice. I was thinking about this. Hmm. Mm -hmm -hmm. A face in the crowd would be wild. If if she just like if it's just about um Patricia O'Neill like with the radio station <laughs> going around looking for the next big thing like it would just be kind of funny. Um, <laughs> I have a really bleak answer. <laughs> Let's hear which it. Is. Which is um uh imagine Red Desert but without uh the main character. <laughs> I almost said that when I first read this question. Just I the was most like, what vapid we- movie about people that suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, like it's just a sad and empty, but no one's like existentially considering it. <laughs> Playtime would be weird too. There isn't a main character in play. I mean, I see what you mean, but yes. <laughs> God. Uh, but th- those are the those are the obvious ones like every other movie that we've like covered are like a lot of them are just too much about the main character where there's not enough texture that'd be interesting to remember you know what uh f a fake without awesome wells (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but yeah. Now we've covered some good movies. I'm just looking at these and nodding. Same. I'm like going through the list like, oh, we're, we're doing pretty good. Good for us. Good for us. M without the uh, murderer. <laughs> And with other words, just like, oh, it's it's Germany and it's dark. Oh, <laughs> look at the lighting. Lawrence of Arabia, just people arguing. Just people arguing. <laughs> Gone. Um, I think I think I'm gonna go with Black Klansman. <laughs> I just want Adam Driver's task with infiltrating the clan by himself. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I'd watch that, but I also have to, I, I just have to roast you for your answer being, I want a normal white cop movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I want Spike Lee to try to make a normal white cop movie. You know what? That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, so that's still, still funny. Spike Lee, but it's it's, it's the sad yeah, white yeah. cop movie version of Spike Lee. Yes. Bold, problematic answer, but you know what? I, I see it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you come to us <laughs> Bold, but problematic answer. <laughs> <laughs> Repertory screenings. Um, Dan writes in, I first heard about Synecdoche, New York from Your Movie Sucks on YouTube. Is there any YouTube film criticism review channels that you especially like? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no I offense to sure anybody are... that does it. I mean, I, I'm I sure just... there are some, but I have not, like, the algorithm has not shown me them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I don't really follow film on YouTube, so it's just not something that, the stuff I watch on YouTube is so not about Film. I I don't come to YouTube for discovery or like criticism, basically. Period. Yes, same. Like I did follow a lot of book review YouTube channels, but that uh kind of got old, and I wasn't reading the books, so it just wasn't uh fun anymore. I guess I did. I found one movie channel. I I, I you know I found Eyebrow Cinema, and that was fun. I watched a couple movies there, but I, I'm not like following it religiously. Um. I had, that was when the I one that did that movie that was like, the superheroes are not like westerns, please stop making this comparison, Jesus Christ. Ooh. Uh, I remember following every film of painting, like, way back in the day, but I think I only watched one essay. Uh, yeah, you haven't updated your, um, uh, just awareness of the cult. No, I just mean that like every frame of painting is uh, is bad now. Everyone hates it. Everyone's like, oh, ruined, <laughs> ruined, whatever. I'm not really following that. I just <laughs> have seen that sentiment around. Um, I think I watched one of them back in the day. Talked about Michael yeah. or whatever. Um, but I don't know. That's When it comes up in film Twitter, everyone has very heated opinions. I'm like, ah, oh, I guess I made That's a better funny. choice being in games Twitter somehow. <laughs> yeah, I just don't follow film on YouTube. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Tron writes in, uh, who's your favorite character in this movie? Hazel. Hazel. She's the heart. I think Sammy. I think it's Sammy for me. Sammy is really good. I just like Samantha Morton in anything. God. She's so good. She's good. That's, that's true. Um, what's your favorite diegetic use of diegetic music in any movie? This is, this is, I, we still had this question. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't possibly answer this. Uh, I don't know. I do not know. It, this is yeah, too specific. Yeah, I struggled. I struggled. I would have to, like, think really hard about it. And I'm really sorry that I don't have an answer. Uh, my answer is probably Twin Peaks. Um, specifically the Sycamore Trees thing. But, you know. Um, 
Does like people performing music in a movie count? Yes. Well, then it's the bit where they sing, uh, Mr. Candy, please don't show, make me go to space. In, uh, that is absolutely digestible. <laughs> you know what? Oh! I, mean, right. I was going to go the other way and be like, it might be Man of Clumps and Sorrow, but those are fun- yeah, that was functionally the same. <laughs> yeah, okay, if performing counts, I, I um, uh, the Club Silencio in uh, Mulholland Drive. That's a good one. I, David Lynch loves dijing. I think p- performing count like it counts in Lynn Davis because it's in the world. But I don't think it counts if like a musical is performed. But I, I assume that's not that. Mm. Uh, but if like if the characters are musicians and they're playing a thing in in the scene, that that counts. The bit in Titanic where they all play the music. That's di- that is that down. is dijing music. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. If you had to make a movie about making a movie about the Emerald Mapping Network, who would you pick to play yourselves in the fake movie? Uh, M's playing me. I'm playing M. I, I'm picking Orson <laughs> Welles, so no. <laughs> I was doing something uh, experimental. I was saying the truth. No, I'm picking Orson Welles. <laughs> who the fuck plays me against Orson Welles? There's your I actual question. You can't you can't pick Orson Welles without picking who you think could possibly um, like. <laughs> Fill my role in that Destiny, dynamic. who's playing you? Um, that cute black girl who, um, was on Doctor Who. <laughs> 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 I just think she'd bring a lot. <laughs> I can't think of her name. I don't know her name, but she's cute. Like, I don't, that's what that matters to me. And she could wear glasses. Jackson, what's her, what's her name? Ephraim Rageman? Yes. She would be great. Um, I think she'd bring a lot. Um, she doesn't look anything like me. I just, I appreciate her. Uh, so, Freeman, Orson, and who's Jackson? You gotta wrap around these two things. Write in if you think you know who Jackson can be in this. You have to keep the other two, but you have to pick who Jackson is. Because I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm like, because that's I... my thing. Is I'm like, I, I can, you know, I can come with all. He, who should play me? But I don't. I don't know. In the world where you're awesome, Wells, <laughs> I feel like it, 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 I've it, got an answer, but I don't know how to like talk about it without. Okay, so just say say the name of the person. We need someone who I want to give a little preamble. <laughs> we <laughs> need someone. Whatever you're saying is going to be mean if you have to qualify. Say like the no. name of the person. Sam Rockwell, because <laughs> be- that's actually that's pretty, pretty good. good. Because. He's got a lot of range, and I think he could capture a lot of the nuances of Jackson. Like that, Jackson's really funny and sometimes he's sad. And like, just like, like, really do a good job just nailing Jackson. Uh, I, and, and I think some record can capture all my nuances. <laughs> okay, that was I, the preamble. Can I share something uh, very mean? Someone else being mean, but not realizing it. Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, so back in like a decade ago now, um, I forget the context, but people were like, listen, he would play you in a movie. Someone decided for me that this is so mean. If you said this, I would like punch you. Um, but their answer was Chris Addison, who's the fucking scrawny guy from In the Loop. <laughs> No, I don't know who that is, but I'm gonna maybe look him teen up. you, but not now. No, not now. But I was, I was, I was teen me then. So like, it was more physically 
you know, I was never that thin, God, but yeah, he is just like shitty, you know, neurotic British man, right? It's, yeah. That's what he does. Well, funny. write in if you think you know who can capture the nuance of Jackson. <laughs> I, I'm standing by Sam, Sam Rockwell. I, I actually think this is a really good choice. You have to do better than say, you know, what? at least pick something. But if you can do better than Sam Rockwell, I'll be impressed. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm really bad at thinking about myself. You got the easy one by just having Orson Welles. Because Orson Welles is your icon who you've aspired to your whole life. Also. Not my, I didn't know who Orson Welles was until my mid-twenties. I don't know. It's fine. My entire time knowing you, you have just loved Orson Welles. That's true. That's true. I've never That's known you as a true. person who doesn't like but... know what Orson Welles is in like a spiritual way. It's not even about like liking Orson Welles. It's like no, you you are kind of Orson. Like you said it once. You said at my best and at my worst, I am Orson Welles. And it's like so. It's never I, been true. I said you were you were you were twisting it a little bit. <laughs> I said at my best, I'm Orson Welles, and at my worst, I'm Orson Welles. Yeah, and it, that's the that's the thing. same like, fucking thing. No, it's not. I think it means a lot. I mean, I think the differences are really profound. I, and innate oh yeah, no, huh? <laughs> you're really Orson Welles right now. I'm sorry, you can't understand the nuance of m uh but like it really it's 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 more than just liking orson wells is all i'm saying that's all i'm saying Mm, Uh, (laughs) anyway uh we have to make tron feel a little better because this next one's kind of sad do you all think that being depressed is in general is inherently self-centered and selfish i can't help but think that i'm a miserable human being to be around when watching movies like this i think that answer is complicated because like yes it kind of warrants that sort of behavior like because you're just thinking about yourself constantly in all these different ways but i don't think it's always true i don't know i i I also being being self-centered is not like a it is a thing that can happen but that doesn't make it like a choice and it doesn't mean that you're self-aggrandizing there's a difference between being self-centered and being like egotistical yes and depression can be self-centered because it's a it's a you know, it's a it's an inward looking illness, mm-hmm. right? Like that's yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, ex- it, like understanding that it's like depressed people don't want to be looking and like being do not want to be self centered. Actually, it's the worst part of being depressed. Exactly, you feel really awful and selfish. And yeah, no, good way to put it. Um, but in reality, like if you're being if you are depressed, like you know it's not that you are miserable to be around you are being you are more miserable in your depression to yourself than you are to anyone around you this is true um and that's just that's just the truth <laughs> um labelle writes in if you could restore one orson welles film that was edited against his vision to its intended vision what film would you choose to have re-edited i don't know why anyone wouldn't pick magnificent Amazon's, i felt that, but... that's like a that's like a gimme right yeah. everyone yeah. everyone i know wants to see the original magnificent Amazons. can't be dumb that's because that's because even in the like horribly hacked up version that Orson didn't like, it's still like maybe one of the best movies ever made. It's so, so good. I'm so glad I finally sat and watched it. I still haven't because I was like, oh, it's not really like you're just basically watching a fake movie, and I'll just be sad that I can't see the real one, even if I like it. Is um, I get that, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, I should I should I should sit down and watch it. Uh, Joe's writes in first two weeks of February. I've been watching the samurai took your drifter branded to kill the killer fallen angels, the ghost dog way, the samurai. I was thinking any of these two films would be a great double feature. If you could host any double feature for a movie theater, what two movies would you select? And would you go a specific theme for the night? Um, I just need to like back away from the question and respond to the Oscar saying you should now watch a normal movie about people like talking. 
briefly. Not <laughs> <laughs> like you love a dead thing. Or, or let me suggest you watch uh, Limits of Control, uh, which is another one of these. It's really good. <laughs> just go further down this rabbit hole. It's like yeah. most specific yeah. rabbit hole in cinema. Um, okay, double bill, double feature. Uh, I probably wouldn't be seen. I would probably like want them as different as possible. Okay. I would do. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot because I think this sort of thing is really fun. Uh, uh-huh. Paprika and uh-huh. Nightmare on Elm Street Three Dream Warriors. <laughs> okay, and I would call it the Subconscious Night or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I've come up with a title: The Obscure Moon and the Obscure Night, or whatever he says. <laughs> Fucking funniest title in the world. <laughs> the titles, it's so good. Sickness in in uh, animals or something, whatever. It, it means a lot. Yeah, the title means a lot. <laughs> Illness and cattle. Illness and cattle, yes. <laughs> yes, illness and cattle. That's what it was. God. Um, double feature. Hmm. Mine would be Pat Labor the movie and Manhunter, and it would just be the sickest movies you've ever Ooh. seen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Is that themed? I mean, not really. Show, I mean, have to show Destiny Pat Labor the movie You don't need someday. to see the OVA. Just watch Pat Labor the yeah. movie. That's all you it's need. It's so fucking cool. Okay. You've um, never steered me wrong. Yeah. That's not true, but it's cool. <laughs> um, I I have a genuinely a hard time about this because there's like a bunch of movies I like, but I'm like, oh, if I if I get to pick two, I should make it thematically consistent. But then I don't know what like I do to make a thematically consistent thing of two movies I really really like. You don't you don't want thematic consistency. You want like a movie where the emotional state you're in for the for at the end of the first one prepares you for the second one and that's why uh the release of uh, grave of the fireflies and my name is totoro, <laughs> totoro. Yeah. in real life oh, in this no. essay i will <laughs> yes oh no yeah that was that was how they were shown in japan at the time oh yeah. no yeah um i think i'm gonna go with uh with Ken Russell's The Devils and Blues Brothers. There you oh. go. Mission from God Night. <laughs> um, we have one more question. Uh, Hannah writes in. Um, one time on the way out from Neon Demon, another trans woman was exclaiming how much she loved it and ran off. Another time I saw teeth on the way out and the only guy, uh, an old guy, the only other person there just looked at me and said, well, what do you think of that? And I muttered something about liking it and escaped. Have you ever had any memorable interactions on the way out of a theater? Uh, also, if you commissioned a tiny painting, what would it be of? When I saw, and I think I talked about this on the episode, but when I saw Phantom Thread, a woman came up to me and Rhea after the movie and thanked us for laughing because she didn't know how to feel (laughs) she was like thank you so much for laughing because i didn't know what to feel and uh it was a weird movie and i the tone was weird and then when you laughed it clicked for me it made it helped like our laughter helped her understand what kind of movie she was watching and i just thought that was really Uh, funny in my most movie going era i would be the person who sat through the credits so i rarely interacted with anyone on the way out of a movie i'll be honest I do remember you telling me that if you don't sit through the credits in the movie, you're basically committing an act of disrespect on everyone who's made, uh, who's gone to. The- I probably that seems like a thing I would have said a long time. <laughs> yeah, ago I was in my say, that sounds like some uh, early twenties M bullshit. 
<laughs> vividly remember you telling I was going to the movies because I like this is when we were only like you know we were early in, in knowing each other so I like looked up to you a lot I was like oh am I gonna am Sam gonna judge me if I leave this movie early <laughs> and, and Sam and the answer is yes, I would have. that between um, <laughs> Orson Welles Orson Welles would have judged the shit out of Sam Rockwell if he got up in the middle of the credits and walked out <laughs> This is perfect. I this. this is the best thing we've ever come up with. It's so good. I need I need a line stick. I have a line sticker set of a polar bear and a and a penguin that interact, and it it, it evokes me and Jackson interacting to me. But I need one of Orson Welles and Sam Rockwell <laughs> uh, as little chibi cartoons interacting to replace it. <laughs> um. Yeah, I can't think of a single answer for this. Uh, if I was commissioning a tiny painting, I think I would commission a tiny painting of the lo-fi girl sitting at her desk. Ooh, I like that answer. <laughs> it's a little meta, you know, <clears throat> just like the tiny paintings themselves. <laughs> a little and meta. No, I don't worry. I, 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 I was there. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I don't know what I want a tiny painting of. There's so many things that I think I would just want something really like hard to paint, like a recreation of like Van Gogh's Starry Night, but as small as possible. <laughs> okay. It's like you get the tiniest painting possible. You have to put on like super high like magnification glasses to look at it, and it's just like fuck you, <laughs> and, like block letters. Uh, yeah, I think Yoko Ono used to do stuff like that. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Being a conceptual artist sounds like the greatest job on earth. I'll be perfectly honest. Sounds like a lot of fun. It's like it's like shit posting, but in real life. Yup. Jackson, what's your tiny painting? God, my tiny painting. Yeah. Um. Just a just a panel from Death Note. <laughs> <laughs> What it, I mean, it's got to be the feet washing. That's not even in the That's manga. Not, I guess. I guess it's more like to be. A, it's, it's, God, the feet washing bit is ridiculous. I was thinking the one uh, where L's, uh, you know, light standing over L, the the famous bit. Oh, okay. Um, but I, L in the chair. L in the chair. L in the chair is a great one. If I get actually, if I get like a tiny model of like, if I get like a like a one forty fourth scale L in the chair, that'd be great. God, they should start doing Gumper of people. <laughs> <laughs> Here, build L. Not I know they do. I know just you... not for not for things like that. If you want to build like an anime lady, they got you. Yeah, not the same. I know you can like get you know figures and nendos of everything. I want to. Con- yeah, but you specifically I construct. Want a I know. I, yeah, I want to construct like a, a gumpler of whatever anime figure it is this week. I guess it doesn't really work. You got to build. You got to build the chair, and then you got to build L, and then you have to connect them together at the <laughs> yes. end. Yes. God, please. And you're like, damn, his feet really don't line up with the cushion the way you want. Because this <laughs> thing costs $15. Yeah. Real great, Al. God. Uh, that's it. Again, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Next time, we are going to be watching Excalibur, the 1981 film uh, directed by John Borman. Okay. All right. I know nothing about this movie. I'm hype. Um... I've uh, had a friend who's been bugging me to watch it for about three months. And I was like, this is a good excuse to get around to it. Sure. So shout, shout out to Rick for bugging me for three months. That's not an open t- invitation to bug me for three months. <laughs> <laughs> me when I realize I've left my weakness open. 
<laughs> Look, if you want to bug me to watch a movie, there will be opportunities down the road, I promise you. Um, but they're not here and today, so don't do it. That's it. Um, plugs, Jackson. Headfuls off Twitter.com. You can find the podcast we do at abnormalmapping.com. They're good. Destiny. At Fridge Buzz Now, pretty much everywhere. And um, my other podcast, Badly and Girls. Uh, we're about to do an episode about small pleasures. We're just, we've rebooted the podcast and it's just been real chill. So mm-hmm. look, look out for that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can support all of our podcasts at patreon.com slash normal mapping. For $5 a month, you get Blockbusters, where every uh, month we watch and break down a movie. We recently did Ready Player One. I thought that was a really good episode. We're about to do an episode on speed, so look forward to that. Um, I actually want to plug something else. If you uh, listen to Expert Audio, it is a, a podcast network made by our friends Autumn and Nora. Um we do a podcast with them called Bag and Book Club, where we're reading through Lord of the Rings. And the day this goes up, if you're a patron of theirs for $1, which you should, you get episodes a week early. And that's when this episode will come on the same day as our most recent Bag and Book Club. You should listen to that. It's really good. If you just want a good time, we're going to give it to you for a dollar. I think you should do that. Support Autumn and Nora. Autumn recently broke her hand or something. So, Aww. Yes. Yeah. No LD Reldy for um, Autumn. Yes. Um. Uh, that's it. Uh, until next time, movies now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. <laughs>